Greetings in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. With a large important role that you would all acknowledge that fathers have, why don't we uh, preach more about fathers and their role and their importance? But we don't hear a lot about that over the pulpit once in a while, uh, rarely. I I can tell you the reason why. (laughs) Because most of us preachers are fathers. And we know our own shortcomings. And we know our own weaknesses. We know our own imperfections. And when we stand here too often and preach about how a father should be, we we feel sometimes like hypocrites because we have our own wives and we have our own children listening to us, and they know our shortcomings. And so for for that and those reasons, we, we, we probably tend to shy away from this subject. But... Um, as, as preachers, shouldn't we preach the whole word? And um, so this morning, I, I want to uh, preach uh, especially to the fathers. And, and it's like any other message, children, uh, wives, mothers. <laughs> Just like many other subjects, when you get specific, there's things there that all of us can learn from. Uh, young men, young fellows, uh, you may be fathers one day. And so you can start learning now. And, but, but all of us can learn various things from, from a lesson that gets more specific like this in certain areas. <clears throat> uh, you, you could use various titles, of course, to when you're talking kind of in a general way about fathers. I will just call this this morning uh, Faithful Fathers. And what for the main part of the... The message, this is what I'd like to do. I'd like to look at two fathers, first of all. This is in the scriptures we're looking at. Two fathers that weren't very faithful and weren't very effective in in their homes. And then we'd like to look at two fathers that were faithful fathers and effective in, in their homes as fathers. So let's begin. You may turn with me to Genesis chapter 13. In in all of these accounts, all four of these accounts, uh, you know, one could go into much more depth, of course. And, And if you would like to if I bring out something and maybe I didn't explain something far enough, maybe just because of a lack of time or you kind of forgot this part of the story, I guess that could be part of your homework to go back and research further and to read further. But I'm just bringing out some, some points, some aspects of what was happening in, in, in these families and in these homes and in, in the lives of these fathers. <clears throat> um, we're looking here at, at the father Lot, the character Lot, the man Lot, and some of his shortcomings. Genesis chapter 13, verses 10 to 13. Verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan, And Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. 
I won't take much time, but you can see some things that don't look good about Lot already. He was selfish in, in taking the best when, you know, he could have offered some of the good stuff to Abraham, but he, he just took it for himself. When the Bible says he pitched his tent towards Sodom, it's not there just to fill out the rest of that line or something, dear people. We know about the wickedness of Sodom. And the Bible said he pitched his tent toward that wicked place. And it says in verse 13, the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And that's where he chose to raise his children and to raise his family. Wow. Look at um, chapter 19 now. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. Now he's living there. The first verse of chapter 19. And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat at the gate of Sodom. That, that simply means apparently he, he has a, a, high, a, a, a recognized position there. Continue to read in the verse. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. So he pitched his tent toward Sodom. First of all, now he's living there at the gate. He's at the gate. Has some kind of responsibility there, possibly, probably. Um, look at verse 12. I'm suggesting here, and we'll look at another verse. <clears throat> By this time, Lot being the, with the background he had, the background of, of, of God and following God and, and all the, the opportunities he had to be a close follower of God and understanding the beauty of, of following God and the faithfulness of God, he should have had a Children and grandchildren following that God also. But look at verse 12. And the man said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides? Son-in-law and thy sons. These men are the angels that came to get him out of this place. Okay, Son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters. And whatsoever, and really, literally, it's whosoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place before we destroy it. And they're suggesting, you know, you, you likely, don't you have a lot of godly people, godly children and grandchildren and sons and daughters, you know, all that you have, get them out of here. Look at chapter 18, verse 32. Chapter 18, verse 32. When Abraham was pleading to God, God, will you please spare? Will you please spare this place? I mean, if there's, if there's 50 righteous, won't you spare it? Or if, if there's 20 righteous, won't you spare it? In verse 32 of chapter, and he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure, just ten. Ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. It's like Abraham was saying, God, I, maybe Lot's family, you know, if I count, if, if all of them are, are believers, if all of them are following you, maybe there would be at least ten, ten faithful ones and, and then you won't destroy it, right? And God said, yeah, that's right. If there's ten Faithful ones, I won't destroy it. But Lot and all the opportunities to have a large family and many followers, it did not happen. It's such a sad account.
chapter 19, verse 13 to 15. In chapter 19, verse 13 to 15. For we, we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocketh unto his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened, Lot saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. The most serious moment here in, in Lot's life turned out to be a funny joke. But it seemed the end of verse 14 when Lot said, please get out. This place is going to be destroyed. The end of verse 14. But he seemed as one that mocketh unto his sons-in-law. And why not? Why should he expect them to be so faithful? How much of a leader had he been? He was selfish right way back in the beginning and taking all the best land. He pitched his tent toward Sodom. He went and lived in Sodom. Why could he, should he expect his sons-in-law to do better than he? Why hadn't he talked about these things before? He had set a poor example himself. Lot was no one to talk about judgment. He hadn't thought about judgment before. And now it's way too late. It's way too late now. Look at verse 17. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Verse 26. But his wife, you see the instructions that were given in the verse I just read? The instructions that were given? Apparently life's poor example had affected his wife also. When God gave instructions, get out of here and don't look back. But his wife, look at verse 26, of course, but his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Verse 30, and Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zoar. And he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. What a sad state. How sad. How unfortunate. Because of the decisions that Lot made throughout his life. And now this is where he's at. This is what has happened to his family. <clears throat> then as you know the story after this, many of you, his daughters betrayed him and made him miserable the rest of his life. Okay, let's move on to a, another sad story. And that is Eli and his sons. 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2. He was priest. Eli was priest at the tabernacle of Shiloh. Somehow he didn't plan ahead. 
His two sons betrayed him. Betrayed. His two sons betrayed what, um, what he was thought to stand for. His two sons betrayed that. And at the time in his life when he was getting old, when he should have been able to turn his work over to his sons, he received a message from God otherwise. First Samuel chapter 2. Let me quickly read. Verses 27 to 36. Beginning verse 27. And there came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord. Notice now, you know, he's saying, Did I tell you? These are the things you should have done. These are how, this is the way it should have been. He's questioning him. You know you didn't do it this way. You know you did wrong. And he says, did I did tell you, didn't I tell you this? And, and, and of course, Eli would have to say, yeah, yes, you did. Didn't I say this? Yeah, yes, you did. You know. So let me just continue reading. Middle of verse 27. Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer unto mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? And did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of, of Israel? Now he asks him a question. You had all these advantages that I just read. This is how I prepared you. I did all this for you. And now, verse 29. Wherefore, kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation. And in other words, what he's saying is, you know, I prescribed how you do offerings. I prescribed how you do sacrifices. I prescribed how you do church. And you've kicked at it. I'll come back to that, okay? But we can't spend a lot of time on it, but you can be thinking about that. Middle of verse 29. And honorest thy sons above me. Wow. To make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Wherefore, the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed, that my house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me shall be, li be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm and the arm of thy father's house, that there shall not be an old man in thine house, and thou shalt see an enemy in my habitation, in all the wealth which God shall give Israel, and there shall not be an old man in thine house forever. And the man of, <clears throat> and the man of thine, whom I shall not cut off from mine altar, shall be to consume thine eyes, and to grieve thine heart, and all the increase of thine house shall die in the flower of their age. And it shall be a sign unto thee that shall come upon thy two sons, on Hophni and Phinehas. In one day they shall die, both of them. And I will raise up me a faithful priest that shall do according <coughs> to that which is in mine heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before mine anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left in thine house shall come and crouch to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread, and shall say, Put me, I pray thee, into one of the priest's offices, that I may eat a piece of bread. Where did Eli go wrong? 
Look in verse 22. Verse 22 of chapter 2. Look at verse 22, 23, and 24. Three times, I believe one in each, once in each verse, it says, He heard. He heard. Let me read verse 22, 23, and 24. Now Eli was very old. And heard, there it is once, he heard all that his sons did unto all Israel. And how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So he knew. Verse 23. And he said unto them, why do you such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. So it says he heard again. Now verse 24. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. It says he heard again. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. He heard so naturally, he should have known. It seems his rebuke to his sons apparently was only when he was old, like too late. Why should they listen now? Verse 29. I said I would come back to this. Verse 29. Eli himself set the wrong in a poor, poor example. Verse 29. Now, I already said and read verse, beginning at verse 26, the, the man of God... Uh, <clears throat> said, look, look, Eli, I, I planned this for you. I did this for you. I set up things for you. You have advantages. You have no excuse. And then he says, verse 29, Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation. Why have you, during your your work in my house kicked at the way you were to do church. I'm putting it in modern day, you know. I had prescribed ways to do sacrifice and offerings and to do church, and you kicked at it. Do any of you understand why his sons may have turned out the way they did? Because father kicked at church. Apparently Eli said, well, yeah, I know that this is the way it's prescribed. This is the way God said to do it. But, uh, you know, uh, just this little infringement on the rules, this little variation, what difference does that make? And now when he gets old and his father, the father Eli is trying to rebuke his sons for their sin, they're making fun of it. They're laughing, you know. Well, dad did it. You know, dad made his exceptions. Dad had his variations in doing things, you know. I guess we can. Well, I'm sure we can too. You know, one could make a whole sermon out of just this, this aspect here, but we don't have time this morning. I hope you understand what I'm thinking and where we're going. But dear, dear dads, you've, you've been given a role in your family, and you've, you've come to church here at your, as your desire. Nobody forced you to be here. And when we have regulations and the way we do church, I've used that term several times, the way we do life. You know, when we look at it in the New Testament, it's more than doing church, it's doing life. It's, it's doing our heart, you know. 
uh, and, and um, we have prescribed methods and prescribed ways of doing things, and some of them are written down in plain black and white, and we decide to vary from that. Uh, dear fathers, um, you have no reason to expect your children to do something better, but no, they'll likely do something worse. And we saw it in Lot, and we saw it in Eli. And uh, God help us that, that we will do things, uh, we do church, <laughs> uh, we do uh, the, the, the way that you know, we're expected, if we expect our children to, to follow and be faithful also. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> so uh, it didn't make sense now when, when Eli acted like he was trying to, in verses 22, 23, and 24, when it looks like Eli was trying to call his sons to question, it was way too late. I mean, he had set a poor example. And, and there we go. Yeah. Um, chapter 3, verse 13. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity, iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. That's what the Bible says. He didn't restrain his sons. Yeah, we have in verse 24 that he is trying to say something to them, but it's way too late. He should have been restraining them when they were 6 years old, and when they were 12 years old, and when they were 18 years old. He should have been restraining them then. It's too late when they're adults and he's old. Let's look at uh, two faithful fathers. We will first look at, at Joseph, uh, the, the earthly father of, of Jesus. Not the biological father of Jesus, but the one that was the father in, in the home of Jesus. Um, <clears throat> Joseph accepted the mandate that God had called him to. Whatever God had asked Joseph obeyed. Um, now, most men think of fatherhood in three ways. Uh, conception, first of all, and then naming, and we know that in Bible times uh, the name meant apparently something more than it does today, but naming was important. And then thirdly, uh, choosing a, a home and a community. Well, let's consider these three things quickly with, with Joseph and, and Jesus. So, um, we know that Mary conceived by the Holy Ghost. Uh, so, let's, let's turn quickly and look at a couple of verses here. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So first of all, it says in verse 19 that uh, he was a Joseph was a just man. And not willing to make her a public example. Do you see some of the character of Joseph shining through brightly already? Yes, we do, of course. And he, the angel of the Lord came to him and he took, he listened to the angel. You could call it the Holy Spirit in your life and mine. But here was the angel of the Lord. He listened to what God had to say to him. Um, so... Uh, so, in the, so this area of, of conception, well, he, he didn't have a part in it. But this is a child he was supposed to be the father of. And so he, he, uh, he that's okay, I'll, 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 you know, I don't understand this, you know, it, it bothers me some, but, but I'm going to do my job. I'm going to take my role. I'm going to, if God called me to be the father's son, I'm going to do that. So then, uh, well, surely he could, he could name his child, but... 
Verse 21. Verse 21. And she shall bring forth his son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So Joseph lost out here. He couldn't even name his own son. Uh, you know, I, I'm suggesting, you know, in that day especially, maybe that would have upset him. Because, you know, names meant something. And he probably already, you know, maybe, you know, before he even got married, he thought, if, I, if God blesses me with a son, this, you know, this is what I want to name him, you know. No, he didn't have that opportunity here. God named this child. And then what about choosing a home and a community for him to grow up in? Chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. Would you like to raise a child like that? Joseph did. Verses 20 and 21. Verses 20 and 21 of chapter 2 of Matthew. <clears throat> Saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel. For they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came to the land of Israel. It's like when God said, Joseph, jump. He said, like, how, how high? Is that you and me, fathers? When the Bible says something, when the Holy Spirit convicts us of something, do we just grin and bear it? Or do we say, well, 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 you know, I, you know, I'm, you know, I, well, no. Um, or do we, when God speaks, do we, do we move like Joseph moved? And this was God speaking in relationship to his son Jesus. Not his biological son, but, but the one that, that his wife Mary had had, had, had birthed, you know. <clears throat> You know, we use the term like father, uh, like son. Uh, in this case, it was like son, like father. <laughs> I mean, Joseph was, was like Jesus. Joseph was such a godly man. Joseph was such a God-fearing man. When God spoke to him, he said, yes, Lord, and he moved accordingly. We as fathers need to be like that. To know the seriousness of the word of God in our hearts and lives first and live it in such a way that we are good examples to our children and when God speaks to us about our homes and our families and our relationship with our children and our wives that we say yes Lord I needed that yes Joseph was like Jesus he had he, he, he was listening to heaven he was listening to the voice of, of of God speaking to him in his family. He accepted God's desire for him and, and he, he didn't hold back. He went all the way. He um, created and, and kept a, a family climate and a family atmosphere um, where the, the spirit We'll say through the, through the angel of God in this case. It doesn't matter how we say it. It's through, through the direction of God. He sustained and kept a, a family atmosphere and, and, and climate where, where, the, where God could do his sovereign work in, his, in, in the life of Joseph himself and in his, in his family, in his home. Before we leave Joseph, we must remember that one verse that some of you children learned in Sunday school, and all of us need to remember. Uh, chapter 2, this is Luke now, chapter 2. Chapter 2 of Luke, what is it, the last couple of verses of the chapter. Luke chapter 2, verses uh, 51 and, 
and 52 says this, and he went down with them, this is talking about Jesus went with his parents, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. You see, Joseph had done a good job of being a father and a, to this, this young child, Jesus. He was subject unto them. Verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. In favor with God and man. He had a character in him that put him, at least when he was young, uh, in favor with men. Of course, as he got old and started preaching, there were some that many, many, of course, turned against him because of what he was preaching and what he was teaching. <clears throat> Let's look now at that second father that we can learn from. It's back in the Old Testament, and it's Mordecai in the life of his daughter Esther. So turn to the book of Esther, if you would, <clears throat> chapter 2. Esther, Job, just before Job, it's hard to find that little book, chapter 2. Um, <clears throat> Esther, chapter, uh, chapter 2, we're looking at Mordecai here and, and his uh, good example of a, of a faithful and a good father. Mordecai, uh, Esther, chapter 2, verse 7. And he brought up Hadasha, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. So you understand the setting now just with that one verse. Uh, it wasn't his biological daughter, but it was his daughter. Okay? Verse 11. And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. So these ladies were taken to, uh, one of them would be, maybe become the, the king's wife one day, and they were checking them out, as it were. And uh, you see the character of Mordecai. Well, we see it in, in the first verse I read and this verse. He was willing to take this and be the father to this daughter that had lost her parents. He was willing to do that. And now he's concerned about what happens to her. He's looking out for her in verse 11 that I just read. He's looking out for her. Yes, he is. Now verse 20. Verse 20. Esther had not yet showed her kindred nor her people, as Mordecai had charged her. For Esther did the commandment of Mordecai like as when she was brought up with him. Wow. You, you get that? Now Esther wasn't with Mordecai, her father, anymore. She was in this group of ladies being groomed to be a, the king's Wife, possibly. Fathers, do you know that when your children leave home or go to Bible school or go to California or wherever they go, that you can trust that they will follow what you've taught them? Mordecai had taught her how to do. Esther had not yet showed her kindred. Uh, she hadn't revealed who she was yet. As Mordecai had charged, Mordecai had said, you know, this is the way it would be best for you to operate at this time in life. She obeyed that. For Esther did the commandment of Mordecai. Then like she did when he brought her up in his own home. 
Now I'm saying, I'm suggesting, I mean that's suggesting the, the faithfulness, the faithful father, the wise father, the father that operated in wisdom with his daughter Esther and operated in wisdom with her and faithfulness as a responsible father when she was growing up in his house before this time in her life. Chapter 4. Beginning to read verse 10. Chapter 4, beginning to read at verse 10. Again, Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. And so, in this case, Esther and Mordecai are, are communicating, but they have to do it through somebody else, of course, because they're not living together, okay? But, you know, there's some dialogue going in here between them and somebody else is, is transporting the, the message. Verse 11, all the king's servants and the people of the king's province do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, woman shall come into the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these 30 days. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. So that was Esther's message to her father. She's just stating the truth of the matter. Then, verse 13, then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return Mordecai, Mordecai this answer. Go! Gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. This is what Mordecai had advised his daughter Esther, even though they weren't living together, but he had got this message to her. Mordecai, our father said, Esther, this is, I know it's difficult, but this is how I think you should do. And Esther did it. And you know the result. You know the rest of the story. <laughs> fathers, fathers, do your children understand the importance of your advice? And do they follow your advice? You see, Lot's children did not. You see, Eli's children did not. But Mordecai's Esther, she did. She had a father that had a relationship with her. Joseph had a relationship with Jesus, a good relationship with Jesus. Mordecai had a wonderful relationship with his, wife, with his daughter Esther. And they submitted to and were obedient to their homes and their fathers. Uh, writer, uh, preacher, and, and writer Gordon McDonald uh, said this in one of his books. 
maybe I'll quickly read this. It's just a one sentence here, but maybe I'll read it twice. Uh, <clears throat> about the, the ch child <clears throat> realizing his home is the best and safest place for him and for the advice that comes from his parents and so forth. This is what he said. Ensure that life within your home is so positive, so appealing, so fulfilling, that all else in the outside world pales in contrast to what a child receives when he is with his family. Let me read that once again. Parents, fathers, ensure that life within your home is so positive, so appealing, so fulfilling, that all else in the outside world pales in contrast to what a child receives when he is with the family. Let me read you a, a song of years ago. And I guess this fell in the, probably the folk song category in that day. And it has to do with fathers not having a proper relationship with their child. And what, what will happen, what can happen, what will likely happen when, when this is a situation. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking for I knew for I knew it. Let me read that line again. And he was talking for I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know, I'm going to be like you. And the refrain goes like this. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball. Dad, come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And he walked away, but his smile never dimmed and said, I'm going to be like him, yeah, you know I'm going to be like him. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. Well, he came home from college just the other day. So much like a man, I just had to say, Son, I'm proud of you. Can't you sit for a while? He shook his head and said with a smile, What I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll, have, we'll get together then. You know, we'll have a good time then. I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids have the flu. But it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. 
it's been sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, son? I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. You know, we all know how the, uh, the world is today. Um, what, are, what are we as men, what are we as fathers doing to uh, help our sons be effective and faithful in their generation? When our sons become uh, fa fathers, uh, will they operate like we did and, uh, and then have faithful families? Or will it be somewhat otherwise? Um, you know, we, we need men today. We need fathers today that, uh, that, have, that act like real men, that have real backbone, that stand for what's right. Um, there are many wives and mothers in our world today, and unfortunately sometimes in our churches, that are crying down in their heart because they wish their husbands would stand firm and strong and take the lead and be like a man and be a godly man and a godly father in the home, a godly leader, a godly father, a good example to their children and so forth. Um, we know many, I don't, won't take time to turn to it, but in, in Genesis 18, God had something very wonderful to say about Father Abraham. He said, I know that he will direct his children right. God said that about Abraham. It's, if you want to write it down and look at it yourself, it's, it's Genesis 18 in verse 19. But, uh, you know, would that, will that be me? Will that be you, fathers? that God could say to us, I know that you will direct your children correctly and right. Um, <clears throat> well, it's time to close, and we will close now. But we, we will sing song number um, 462, number 462. Joe, if you'll come. And lead it.